1: Well, welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. Joining me again today is James, the sharp end sharp. Hi, and uh, we're going to be uh, looking back at uh, Leicester City's yes. victory at Newcastle. That's the third year running uh, that we've been up to Newcastle. I always like that trip. Um, it's great ground. The fans are quite interesting. Yep. Um, but uh, three years running now, we've gone up there, and there's been a, a Leicester City victory to be uh, dissected afterwards, and uh, this was probably the easiest
0: one they've had so far just about to say it's probably the most straightforward victory that Leicester well certainly had at Newcastle have had in in quite a while I think because Newcastle were just were really poor Now, I don't want to take away from Leicester's performance because I think both those things can weigh against each other is that Newcastle were poor but Leicester punished them for it I mean I know Newcastle had a couple of early chances um to score but once Leicester got ahead, that penalty from Jamie Vardy, they never looked in danger of, of not winning the game. They were in complete control, had most of the ball, most of the possession, most of the chances, and it's had complete control over that game. And it's one of those games where in the past Leicester might have struggled to beat a team like Newcastle, but they made it look quite easy really. Well, yeah, the first 10 minutes, again, they still haven't got quite
1: got that yeah. fast start sorted that they've been talking about quite a bit for, for, since the start of the season, really. And if the army had put that header away and if Maguire hadn't have been able to get back and uh, deny Josselu, then it could have been a, a, a different scenario. But once those two scares were out of the way, yeah. it was, as you say, quite straightforward. And uh, you could tell, I mean, we knew what the, we were to expect from the home fans, 50,000 members of the Toon army, and they're not happy. They are not happy there at all, are no. they? Not just with the football scene on the pitch, with everything that's going on off the pitch as well. And uh, But we were quite surprised when we got there, wasn't there? There was massive banners, Rafa Benitez, yeah. around the
0: stadium. It looked like some kind of like Russian dictator, like some kind of rally. They've got like, big, huge banners of his face looking all... Imperius footballing Che Guevara, and it, it was a little some, bit yeah. Some of those
1: images, yeah, it was.
0: Um, but even Rafa got
1: some stick from the uh, Newcastle fans didn't he? when he substituted Matt Ritchie. Yeah, I, mean, I okay. thought he could walk on water. I think he could walk across the Tyne up
0: Yeah, there. I, So did I actually, but it it doesn't. I think the fans are so frustrated about what's going on over there. They, I mean, sometimes we think I mentioned it in my in my five things it. Because we're, as human beings, you are quite self-contained. You believe, you think your own problems are bigger than everyone else's. And it's the same with watching Leicester. You think, well, you moan about team selections. You moan about um, the odd result here and there. But then you go to Newcastle and you realise that they aren't. Leicester's problems are nowhere near as big as theirs. They were calling, they were chanting for Mike Ashley to get out of their club. They were booing at half-time, booing at full-time, booing Rafa's substitutions. Hardly spent any money in the summer, and you look at this Leicester team who've spent over a hundred million pounds in the summer. Got owners who are looking to expand the stadium, expand the, tra- the training ground, and it just the two clubs are in such different places, and it it makes you feel a, a, b- a bit happier that you're in the Leicester camp.
1: Well, there's three thousand two hundred Leicester fans who made the journey up there, and they're in the top tier of the uh, stand, that giant stand that blocks out the sun. Hundred
0: and forty odd whatever it was, like 14 flights of stairs or something like that. It's
1: ridiculous. Oh, the bird's-eye view of the game, and it just looked like little dots below, but they had a great view of Maguire's head. And let's yeah. talk about Harry Maguire's performance, because a few weeks ago, when we went to Bournemouth, he looked tired, didn't he? Yeah. He looked a bit of a spent force after all the summer with the World Cup in England, and playing every minute of every game for Leicester. But he looked rejuvenated for, for me on Saturday. He looked back to the Maguire of, uh, of the end of last season, and uh, he was dominant, and he had... Uh, a big role to play in both penalty boxes certainly with both goals as well that was as good as
0: uh, we've seen Harry Maguire for a while Yeah that was that was vintage Maguire really And because he did it at Bournemouth he looked like a player that needed a rest and Claude while admitted that he needed a rest because of just the amount of football that he played as you say he got that rest he missed the, the game against Wolves in the Cup so he had a complete week off no international football to be concerned about Put his legs up for a week, train as usual. But at Newcastle, it, it, what that was the Maguire that England fans saw at the World Cup. That's the Maguire that Leicester fans adored last season. That's the Maguire that Manchester United were interested in in the summer, and you can see why they were because at both ends when 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 they needed him to make that crunching tackle to deny Joselu, he made it. When they needed him to pop up with his big head and and head it in. He did, and he celebrated in front of the, the fans with a hand on his hips like a superhero, and, and that's how he played. And it was really good to see Maguire back because that's the play that Leicester really do rely on at the back. But what a contrast
1: to Bournemouth. I mean, just before we've come on there, there was somebody tweeting to a response to your five things saying, Oh, you've changed the tune from Bournemouth. Do you think you're, you need a rethink? And I thought, Well, that's a bit. Well, oh, we'll because, get... <laughs> just because they've had a good performance at Newcastle doesn't mean to say the performance of Bournemouth was any better than we originally reported, because it was a poor defensive performance. Oh, yeah, it was horrendous. horrendous. But here at Newcastle, clean sheet, much, much better. And I think the big difference, Danny Amate.
0: Yeah, big time. I mean, it's surprising that I got criticised for saying that when I'm usually someone that gets criticised for being too much of a a, fanboy from time to time. So it was, it was a terrible performance, and it was right to be criticised. But we put that into context and said, well, there are lessons to be learnt from it. And it does look like Leicester have learnt their lessons from that Bournemouth defeat, as you say, especially in that right-back position, because Daniel Amati has come in and seemed to find a bit of a balance, really, between the overly defensive, if reliable, Danny Simpson, who we've always known well once, defen- and a uh, full-back who's more attacking. Then we went the other way with Ricardo Ric- Pereira, who was just couldn't be bothered about the defending aspect of Bournemouth and just bombing on forward. Amati seems to be a little bit of a middle ground, and we've criticised him a bit, and he's, there's been question marks over him at that right back position. But for the second game running, he put in a solid performance. Well, that's it. When he keeps it simple and just holds his position and defends,
1: then he looks looks the part. If he starts to overcomplicate things and start bombing forwards, I fear that you know he might be uh, caught out again. But you know, if at the moment, he's just very steady. Right back, he's giving support to Morgan and uh, and M- Maguire, which wasn't there at, at Bournemouth, and they just look a better unit. They look, which were defensively. Having said that, I mean, I think I said in my piece, you know, both the Huddersfield and the Newcastle attacks were toothless, like a hillbilly, weren't they? They were just, <laughs> they, they were offered nothing really. Josselu looked like he was in cement
0: for most of the well, game, and Perez was poor.
1: Well, that, as well. that chance
0: for Josselu, why didn't he shoot? I mean, Rafa got asked in his press conference just why did he not just shoot he had about it seemed like an eternity to pull the trigger was and, ne- through, yeah. and never did um, so yeah I mean, I, like you said they, those chances have they been taken away is a, it's a different game but you get that in all games there's one where Leicester have hit the bar and then conceded afterwards and you, there's always ifs, buts and maybes but if Leicester want to finish seventh and they want to have these European ambitions they've got to be able to put these teams away these are teams in the past where Leicester have struggled to put them away if Leicester want to finish 7th come May, they're going to have to be ruthless against these teams at the bottom. And in the last two weeks, Leicester have been, and they've made it look straightforward. I think that could only be a positive.
1: Well, they're up to 7th. Four wins from the mm. opening seven games. No draws so far. Pretty decent start overall. So take out the Bournemouth defeat, which was the real low point. Uh, the defeat at Man United, decent performance. Didn't get what they deserved. And again, against Liverpool, the other defeat, Decent performance didn't get much out of the game. A little bit unlucky, you would say.
0: But overall, it's been a solid start. I think so. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people who, prew's biggest critics are saying, would would say, well, look, they've played around, but but lost against Man United and Liverpool, and they were lucky maybe to beat Wolves and Southampton. Mm, I don't really buy into that because if if you're lucky to beat Wolves and Southampton, then you also have to say, well, they were unlucky to, to lose to to Man U and Liverpool so in that sense I think it balanced itself out those performances against Man U and Liverpool are, were by no means blown away they were they, they fell short but but narrowly short the Wolves game that Wolves victory Leicester are the only team to beat Wolves this season Wolves are a good side and they're going to finish in the top half of the table beating them twice yeah and they've picked up points against Man U against Man City they are a difficult team to beat and Leicester are the only team who have done that so that's a positive as I've said today, is that yeah people will say well they're still way short of what they can be. They're still not playing to their full potential. There's still lots of stuff that needs to improve, and it's not nowhere near perfect yet. Well, no, it's not, but they're still seventh. So that should make you more excited for the future more than more than frustrated about it. Well, I think it's been a, a, a
1: very solid start really, and I think it's been epitomised by um, a couple of players really. I mean, one of them, James Madison. Now, Gareth Southgate was at Newcastle um, to have a look on Saturday. Obviously, Ben Shilwell and Maguire. he uh, will be checking those out as well. Not, unfortunately, Damari Gray, who's picked up that ankle injury that's going to keep him out to up to six weeks. I, 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 you know, I think you air on the caution and say six weeks rather than the three weeks that uh, Pua was hoping. Uh, but, Madison, people are talking about him for England. He's only played seven
0: Premier League games. Is it too early? Uh, probably not in the current... Clor- Probably not in the current climate where as soon as you get on the Premier League stage and you start to impress, then you get called in. The same thing happened with Harry Maguire last year. I know he'd had the year with with Hull, so he'd already kind of established himself at the Premier League, but had been relegated with Hull, who had had conceded 80-odd goals, was it? Something like that. But he had a good start with Leicester and he got a quick call-up and that's worked out really well. I don't think Southgate is the kind of manager who would just bring players in on the hype yeah, I think he's the kind of manager that would if he sees something in Madison even if it is there for, for a short while he'd only bring, them, bring him in if he sees something in him not because he's being pushed to by the media or by it lot hyping him up so I don't I think to be a consistent international success I think Madison has to show it more consistently across the whole of the season but for him to earn himself a call up and for Southgate to have a look at him I think he's shown enough. And also because it's a position where England are really short. England do lack that person that can pick the ball up in those central spaces and spray it out. Big teams have got the likes of Croatia had Modric. Spain have always had the kind of like the Xabi and Esther players who can just dictate play. England haven't got that. Madison, while it's very, very early days and you're nowhere near comparing him to that kind of level, he's that style of play and England don't have it. So
1: why not have a look at him? Well, the England squad's announced on Thursday, um, but the under-21s have also got a couple of very yeah. important games. So uh, my feeling is they'll probably keep him back for the under-21s, just make sure they
0: get that qualification do I don't think that's sorted. a bad thing, though. I don't think that's a really bad thing. I mean, you said, is it, is it too early? Hmm. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need to be rushed in. He is young. So if he is playing with the 21s next time to get them into the qualification, then, yeah,
1: fair enough. Well, it's great for him that people are even talking about him in that sense, really. And he just... Um, shows what impact he's made on the Premier League in such a short space of time. He's settled. Normally, play young players, especially. You think they're going to need a bit of time to bed in, to get used to the surroundings, get used to the hype and the, you know, the big game atmosphere in the Premier League. But he's taken to it like a duck to water. And he, again, he's playing in a different role at Newcastle, similar to the one against Huddersfield, where he's supposed to be playing left, but he's not really playing left. He's got freedom, license to, to drift across the front line and just get into little spaces and and we were saying during the game how um, impressed we are with his first touch the ball comes into him and he's straight away on the turn and he's yeah. always looking to go forwards and uh, I think that's a really vital skill that's he's key. drawing the foul all the time there's a reason why he's the most fouled player in the Premier League it's because he draws the fouls because he's so quick when people come in they think they
0: can get a, a bit of the ball and he's away yeah and that is what is key to the way that Well wants Leicester to play and he said it in the build up to the game where he, he was asked about Leicester having 75 percent possession against um, was it Wolves, and he said, "Well, that must." He was asked, "That must really impress you?" And Claude said, "Well, possession is nothing without chances, or without moving the ball forward. It allows you to control the game, which is what Leicester did against Newcastle. But without moving it forward, what what good is it? It's possession for possession's sake. Madison allows it to be something other than possession for possession's sake because his back's to goal. The ball, he always wants the ball." ball comes in and he's on the turn straight when he's looking to play it forward that is that's the key to it and to have the confidence to do that on the biggest stage when you're only a 21 year old lad we saw from the first game he's got a sort of swagger about him he knows he knows he belongs at this level and Leicester are reaping the benefits so far well it's noticeable as well I think with the way Leicester are playing that um, Mendy
1: and Nadidi you don't see them on the ball much they're playing very direct into that front four aren't they and, or yeah. certainly getting it wide they don't seem to be playing through the middle with Mendy and, and Nadidi. So they are trying to play a little bit more direct, or, but on the ground, not lumping it forward, yeah. but more direct into Madison, into Iheanacho, because he's formed quite a, a decent little partnership now yeah. with Jamie Vardy. And uh, it's nice looking good in an attacking sense. I think so. And I think
0: Pujols tinkered a bit, and he got criticised on the match today last week by Jermaine Junis. He said, well, Paul probably tinkers a bit too much. And he probably was right, he probably did do, but he seems to have come by this good trio of Vardy and Inacho and and Madison because Inacho allows Vardy to have a bit more support and you say Madison is pushed wide but he's not really pushed wide because he's just allowed to go and do what he wants and when you've got him there always dropping deep wanting the ball it allows Mandidi and Mandy just to win the ball back and give it to Madison or, and, and start the attacks that way and, and at Newcastle it felt like there was much more purpose to the way that they played in that they're getting it from back to front as quickly as possible, but with short, pa- with short, quick passes. And it's not just hoofing it down into the channels for Vardy to chase. And it's also not just knocking it sideways, hoping someone's going to do something with it. It's bang, bang, bang into Madison, and then either straight through to Vardy or out wide. And that speed of passing is much more what Puel wants. Because we've seen him on the touchline; he gets he does for his quiet years in press conferences. He is animated on the touchline, and it's usually when the ball's not played, played forward quickly enough. Yeah, well, we could hear him shouting at the
1: players from where the press bench is. I mean, he almost got creamed a couple of times while ball's being smashed out of play as well. He's very low down the press bench at Newcastle, so you're right behind the dugout, so you can hear pretty much everything that's being said. And if we strain straining sometimes to hear Puel in his press conference, we've had no problems hearing him with his frustrations at times with uh, the use of the ball really. And um, you know, he's trying to get the team to play. It's gonna take a bit of time, but he's trying to get them to play the way he wants them to play. But there are definitely decent signs. Um, moving on to Everton, yeah. just uh, briefly because we'll touch on Everton a bit more in, later in the week, but uh, may not have got Madison if Leicester City had pulled off the transfer signing of Guilford Sigurdson. Yes, that's a very um, good point. Scored a couple of goals at the weekend. He's starting to justify the amount of money they spent uh, on him had a very poor season last season for the Toffees in his first season there but he was somebody that um, Leicester obviously admired greatly with, with the bids they put in for him he's starting to look like the danger man
0: yes he is and I remember at the time being really excited by the potential of signing Sigurdsson because again he was that kind of player that Leicester have lacked that creative player in the whole we've always had the, the industry and the never give up attitude of Shinji who in his own way, is valuable to the team and used to be invaluable to the team. But in this new style, that new that that player, creative player, was was key. And you're right. If Leicester hadn't landed Sigurdsson, then they probably wouldn't have landed Madison. Who would I like prefer out the two? I I am happier now that they've got Madison and Sigurdsson because he's younger and because he's got more to come out and of they've you, got not? much more to come out of him, and he's been half the price. So in the long run I'm happy it's worked out that way but Sigurdsson if Madison can grow into that kind of player and have the, the, the level of performance that Sigurdsson's had in the Premier League over the last few years then boy the Leicester are going to have a good player around Jamie Vardy uh, yes. now Everton have been, have been interested in him in the past
1: but no chance of signing him but we were a little bit worried weren't we on Saturday he took yeah. a really heavy tackle um, had a quite lengthy treatment mm. and then was substituted shortly after but he's going to be okay before Everton, Claude Puel says he's not injured. It was just a bit of a knock. He was a bit sore, but he's going to be OK. And he just took him off to protect him having played so many games in one week. But he's starting to show little signs that he's getting back to his uh, best now, isn't he? He is, yeah.
0: I mean, at the start, he'd not played much football because of the late coming back from the World Cup. only came off the bench at Manu, got sent off at Wall against Wolves, missed three games, retired from international football, so he didn't play then. And he, he looked... At, he looked raring to go, but he looked rusty. There's a few chances that he'd snatched out and put wide and didn't look like the Vardy we know. But then that goal against Huddersfield, the little dink over the keeper, that would have restored some confidence. And It was a great penalty as well. Saturday, yeah, it? it was. He's, he's improved his penalties since well, the start of last season when he was just smashing it down the middle and, and goalkeepers have worked him out. Now he whacks them but places them at the same time and they're difficult to keep out. I think it was 11 out last 12, we scored something like that. Um but no, it's good to see him back. And also, the match situation worked for Puel because Leicester had just they gone two 0 up. He could Claude could pull the shutters down, and with Vardy having a bit of a knock, he could easily just just bring him off and just shut up shots it worked out quite well for both, I think. But yeah, give Vardy a rest and have him back against Everton because that's quite a, quite an important game. Because those play, those those fans that have said yeah, but Leicester only really beaten the rubbish sides and lost against the good sides. Everton's more of a test against the teams that will be in and around Leicester in that battle for seventh place. Everton will be one of the teams that Leicester are up against. So it's a good test of how well Leicester are doing against the team that they're they're fighting for for Europe.
1: Well, we'll be looking ahead to the game against Everton in our podcast later this week. We've got lots of reaction from the victory at Newcastle on Leicestershire Live right now. Uh, We have live blogs running every day all through the week as well. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you again next time.